Brothers and sisters, as we approach the end of our church year, our readings become more eschatological. That is to say, they deal with the end times. In today's gospel, Jesus encounters the Sadducees, and he engages them in a discussion about the eschaton. The Sadducees were a sect within the Jewish community that didn't believe in the resurrection. That is to say, they did not believe in life after death. Perhaps this is why they were so sad, you see. (laughs) The name Sadducee actually means the just. The Sadducees called themselves the just since they didn't believe in the resurrection. And what they thought then is that their actions could be motivated by a purer love for God than that of everyone else. That is to say, their actions weren't motivated, motivated by the quest for some reward from God, but rather out of true love for God himself. And to prove their point about the lack of a resurrection, the Sadducees presented Jesus with this argument, an objection to the resurrection. If there is a resurrection, then whose wife will this woman be? Their argument is what we call a reductio ad absurdum, a reduction to the absurd. It's similar to the question that Bart Simpson asked his religion teacher, what if you're a really good person, but you get into a really, really bad fight and your leg gets gangrene and it has to be amputated? Will it be waiting for you in heaven? You know, both are ridiculous questions that are brought to the absurd. The Sadducees' question doesn't disprove the resurrection so much as it demonstrates the Sadducees' own misunderstanding of the resurrection. Their error, of course, is that they assume that the afterlife is simply a continuation of this present life. That is to say, it's merely the same of the more things that, of the, it's the same or more of the things that we experience here in this life. Jesus' response to the Sadducees informs us that the life of the resurrection, the life of heaven, is not simply more of the same things that we experience in this life here on earth. Jesus tells the Sadducees that in heaven, there is no marriage or remarriage, a fact that may even disturb some of us. After all, for many Christians, their wedding day is one of the most important days of their life. And as a vocation, marriage governs the day-to-day life of a majority of Christians. To be clear now, Jesus is not at all devaluing marriage. Rather, his words essentially speak of marriage as a sacrament, a tangible sign of God's love for his people. This means that marriage is eschatological in its very nature. It deals with the end times. For life in heaven is where God's love for his people is most fully revealed. The Sadducees missed the eschatological significance of marriage. They, like many people in our society today, simply reduced marriage to an intimate relationship between two people. That's a rather pithy understanding of marriage. Marriage is so much more than that. Marriage is an articulation of Jesus' teaching in the resurrection 
the teaching that at the time we are raised from the dead, we will be like angels. We will be children of God. St. John Paul II spoke of how marriage offers a glimpse of what it means to be children of God. The late Pope said, man and woman uniting with each other in such a way as to become one flesh were at the same time destined to be united in truth and love as sons of God. In other words, married love not only unites husband and wife to each other, but through their union, husband and wife become children of God. You know, children are often an image or a reflection of their parents. Married couples become children of God by reflecting their parent, by reflecting God. A marriage marked by self-giving love between husband and wife reflects that inner life of the Trinity, which is marked by self-giving love between the Father and the Son. In the Trinity, we see that the self-giving love between the Father and the Son is so powerful, so complete, that the love itself is actualized as a third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, the person of the Trinity that guides and governs the world. So too, the love between husband and wife should be so powerful that the love becomes a real spirit and that that spirit governs their lives. The eschatological significance of marriage is only seen when a couple gives themselves completely and selflessly to each other. You know, this is the reason for the church's teaching against birth control, because birth control is a holding back of one of the most intimate aspects of our humanity. It's a holding back of our fertility. But when a couple lives out their marriage in total self-giving, what they do is they foreshadow the relationship that we hope to share as children of God in heaven, a relationship of total self-giving and intimacy with God. You know, paradoxically, by entering into this relationship of total self-giving, husband and wife find themselves fulfilled. What we learn from marriage is that self-giving does not deplete us. It doesn't make us slaves. It doesn't diminish us. Rather, it's freeing. It's joyous. And it's life-giving. While our society tells us to seek what brings us pleasure and to never give ourselves completely and totally to anyone, the good news of the gospel tells us that the way to achieve fulfillment is not to be self-seeking, but to become totally self-giving. The Sadducees err because rather than understanding marriage as a relationship of self-giving, they view it as one of self-getting. Thus, they ask the absurd question, whose wife will she be? They're essentially treating this woman as a possession, and they want to know who gets to possess her. Jesus' response demonstrates that true love is not found in a relationship of receiving, but of giving. The Sadducees, not believing in the resurrection, thought that their lives were more just 
because they were seeking to serve God without being motivated by the expectation of a reward. What the Sadducees failed to comprehend is that the resurrected life is not about seeking a reward for good deeds that we've done here on earth. That's not why we do our good deeds. Rather, the resurrected life, the life of heaven, is about entering into a union with God. And this is the reason that I think it's important for us to be obedient to God and to be obedient to his commands. Our motivation isn't to hope that God will give us some reward, but rather by being obedient to his commands, we enter into a greater union with God. We form a deeper intimacy with him. Just as husband and wife are not motivated by selfish interests, but rather seek greater union with each other when they give themselves freely and fully to each other in marriage, so too our self-giving needs to be motivated not by the promise of some reward, but by a desire to enter into union with God himself, a desire to form an intimate and personal relationship with our God. When we understand this, we suddenly see that marriage is not simply about two people possessing each other, but it's about two people giving themselves freely to each other in a selfless way and being united through that act of total self-giving. And in this way, marriage becomes a gift to the entire church. It isn't, as the Sadducees claim, an argument against the resurrection. Rather, it's a sign and foretaste of the resurrected life in heaven, the life where we will give ourselves completely and totally to God and where we will be united with him through our act of self-giving. Brothers and sisters, peace to you and to all who give themselves freely and fully to God.